The 14th century English mystic Julian of Norwich has been talked about by people in many different ways, but first and foremost, she's the author of an extraordinary text, The Revelations, which is the earliest known text authored by a woman in English. Personally, she has been a friend and companion in my Christian life for over 30 years. I'm the Reverend David Simmons, Episcopal priest and oblate in the Order of Julian of Norwich. Thank you for joining me as we read and pray through the works of this extraordinary woman of faith and explore what she has to teach us about God's love. Good morning, and welcome to Love Was His Meaning, reading and praying with Julian of Norwich. We'll begin this morning with the office as linked in the podcast description. Let us with gladness present the offerings and oblations of our life and labor to the Lord. Let's say Psalm 84 together. How dear to me is your dwelling, O Lord of hosts! My soul has a desire and longing for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh rejoice in the living God. The sparrow has found her a house, and the swallow a nest where she may lay her young. By the side of your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Happy are they who dwell in your house. They will always be praising you. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on the pilgrim's way. Those who go through the desolate valley will find it a place of springs, for the early rains have covered it with pools of water. They will climb from height to height, and the God of gods will reveal himself in Zion. Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Hearken, O God of Jacob. Behold our defender, O God, and look upon the face of your anointed. For one day in your courts is better than a thousand in my own room, and to stand at the threshold of the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is both sun and shield. He will give grace and glory. No good thing will the Lord withhold from those who walk with integrity. O Lord of hosts, happy are they who put their trust in you. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Let's join together in a prayer of Julian. God of your goodness, give me yourself, for you are enough to me, and I can ask nothing that is less that can be full honor to you. And if I ask anything that is less, I shall always be in want, for only in you have I all. Amen. Here we are, ready to pick up on chapter 55. Thus Christ is our way, safely leading us in his laws, and Christ in his body powerfully bears us up to heaven. I saw that Christ, having in him all of us who shall be saved by him, graciously presents his Father in heaven with us, and this present most thankfully his Father receives and courteously gives it to his Son, Jesus Christ. This gift and deed is joy to the Father, and bliss to the Son, and delight to the Holy Spirit. And of everything that is proper to us, it is most delight to our Lord that we rejoice in this joy, which is in the Blessed Trinity because of our salvation. This was seen in the ninth showing, where it speaks more of this matter. Notwithstanding all our feeling, woe or well, God, God wills that we understand and believe that we exist more truly in heaven than on earth. Our faith comes from the natural love of our soul, and from the clear light of our reason, and from the steadfast remembrance that we have of God in our first creation. At the time that our soul is breathed into our body, at which time we are made fleshy, also quickly mercy and grace begin to work, having charge of us and protecting us with pity and love. 
In this deed, the Holy Spirit forms in our faith the hope that we shall come again up to our essence, into the strength of Christ, increased and fulfilled through the Holy Spirit. Thus I understood that the fleshiness is based in nature, in mercy, and in grace, and this basis enables us to receive gifts that lead us to endless life. For I saw most certainly that our essence is in God, and also I saw that God is in our fleshiness. For at the self-same moment that our soul is made fleshy, at the same moment is the city of God established in our soul from without beginning. Into that city he comes and never shall remove it, for God is never out of the soul in which he dwells blissfully without end. This was seen in the 16th showing where it says, The place that Jesus takes in our soul, he shall never remove it. All the gifts that God can give to creatures, he has given to his Son, Jesus, for us. These gifts he, dwelling in us, has enclosed in himself until the time that we are grown and matured, our soul with our body and our body with our soul, either of them taking help from the other, until we are brought up in stature as nature works, and then on the basis of human nature with the action of mercy, the Holy Spirit graciously breathes into us the gifts leading to endless life. Thus was my understanding led by God to perceive in him and to understand, to be aware and to know that our soul is a created trinity, like to the uncreated blessed trinity, known and loved from without beginning. And in its creation it is joined to the creator, as it is, as it is aforesaid. The sight was most sweet and wondrous to behold, peaceable and restful, safe and delightful. And because of the honorable oneing that was thus brought about by God between the soul and body, it is inevitable that mankind should be brought back from double death. This bringing back could never be until the time that the second person in the Trinity had taken the lower part of mankind, he to whom the higher part was wanted in the first creation. And these two parts were in Christ, the higher and the lower, which is but one soul. In Christ the higher part was one in peace with God, in full joy and bliss, the lower part which is fleshy suffered for the salvation of mankind. These two parts were seen and experienced in the eighth showing, in which my body was filled with the experience and memory of Christ's passion and his death, and furthermore, with this was an ethereal feeling and secret, secret inward vision of the high part that I was shown at the same time, when I could not on account of the intermediary succession look up into heaven, and that was because of the same powerful vision of the inner life, and this inner life is that exalted essence, that precious soul, which is endlessly rejoicing in the Godhead. So uh, we've got a kind of a continuation of what we've been ta uh, reading about for the last few um, sessions. Um, the first is this idea that in, in this reading that God, that Christ, having all of us who are saved by him, graciously presents his Father in heaven with us. So um, the uh, Watkins and Jenkins talks about this being uh, kind of like uh, in in a romance you would uh, a medieval romance uh, you would have this idea of the um, valiant knight who goes forth and conquers and takes prisoner other um, other knights and sends those knights back to their lord as proof of their um, as proof of their martial prowess so it has that kind of because they talk about the courteous lord and it's all in this language of courtly love there's that idea of us being the knights and the and the maidens who are who are um, freed, either conquered or freed, and are then presented to the Lord in a courteous way, and then the Lord gives those back to um, 
to Christ. So that there's this idea of a giving and a taking, and it's 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 kind of circular. It's designed to be circular here. Christ presents the Father in heaven with us, and then the the present the Father receives and courteously gives it back to the Son. So there's this idea of of kind of an eternal giving that we're we're moving within this idea of a Trinity because she's talking about the Trinity here, and the Trinity. One of the ways that people talk about the Trinity is is um, is kind of an eternal dance. The three parts of the Trinity are 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 always locked in a in a beautiful um, eternal kind of a kind of a dance, and and she's bringing us into that with this. Uh, she points out that we exist more truly in heaven than on earth. Now she's not being um, Du dualist here, where she's saying that spirit is good and flesh is bad. Um, she's very clear in saying that the body and the spirit are both redeemed uh, by Jesus, but that we exist more truly in heaven than on earth. What she's saying is now, n not after we die, but now we exist more truly in heaven than we do on earth. That that part of us that never assents to sin uh, that Juliet has talked about several times, that part of us that is is always wanted with God, is really our true existence. This is a common idea in in many of your metaphysics is that the that heaven is a more real place than uh, the than what we currently experience. Although that doesn't mean that what we're experiencing now doesn't mean anything. That's 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 where we get into the problem of dualism. And she says, at the time that our soul is breathed into our body, at the time we're made fleshy, this is this is the, the biblical idea of, of when human personhood happens, uh, it, when when the, the breath is breathed into the human being. That's the same um, idea you have in the Valley of Dry Bones, that you have the flesh sitting, or all, all the human flesh sitting around, but it's not it's not human until the the breath of God is breathed into it. Um, uh, you know the 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 the, the, the um, nefesh, the the spirit moving across the water in creation. Um, you know all these ideas uh, in classical, especially Old Testament imagery. Life begins, uh, or humanity begins, when the breath at first breath. And so, at the time our soul is breathed into our body quickly mercy and grace begin to work. So the very second we become human, the very second we, we are enfleshed, mercy and grace are already at work at us before we've even started to think about our first sin. Um, the that God is already at work in us. That It, it, it is that instantaneous. Um, at the self-same moment that the soul is made fleshy, so when, hu when the human life begins, at that moment, is the city of God established in our soul from without beginning. So we are enclosed in God, and God is enclosed in us. And not just some spiritual part of us, but enclosed in all of us, in, in our both our our, um, our soul and in our bodies. Um, something that I didn't mention the last time that we talked about the city is quite often, uh, as John Julian points out, when you're talking about a city in the terms that um, Julian is talking about a city is a place that has a bishop. It has a, a cathedra, a place for a bishop to be seated. Um, so that's technically what a city is um, at, the, at the time that this is being written. So literally we're talking about at that time, this, this, this ecclesial, um, uh, ecclesial authority is established within us. You know, it's, it's not just a place where people live. It's a place where there's godly authority. Um, and therefore it's established in our soul without beginning and God is never out of the soul in which he dwells blissfully without end. Um, Barry Windy uh, says, uh, translates this, uh, the place that Jesus takes in our souls, he will never vacate. So God never leaves us. 
God is always there enclosed within us, and we are always there enclosed within God. And in her understanding, she's led to be aware that the soul is a created trinity, like to the uncreated blessed trinity. So our souls reflect that reality of the triune God, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, reflect that within ourselves. Um, and we are joined to the Creator. And that's a really important thing. Um, you know, one of the things that I always think about with this is as... Um, when people are talking about modern neurology, they talk about the different parts of the brain and how they developed at different times in, in the um, evolutionary process. And they're, they're responsible for, you know, one part is fight and fright, uh, flight and fright. Another part is sensory. Another part is our higher thinking. Uh, we are complex beings made up of many voices talking at once. And, uh, you know, what she says here is that's God created us that way, uh, that we are made up of three person, you know, in, in, in that image of the uncreated Trinity, we are a created Trinity. Uh, and that's not a, a complete parallel with, with the idea of all the different parts of the brain, but we are not a unitive person. And that's a really important statement from both a, a, um, um, neuroscientific and also from a theological perspective. Um, there are these two parts in Christ, the higher and the low, but are one soul. And the higher part is in peace with God, with full joy and bliss. The lower part, which is fleshy, suffered for our salvation of mankind. Um, so, the, you know, those those two natures of of Christ, of the um, of of both being human and both being God, uh, and it is the human part that suffers. Well, the the um, the the godly part, although in in Julian, that all kind of kind of comes together in a, in a, in a beautiful mess. <laughs> uh, Julian is much less tidy than, than a lot of the theologians of the time. And it all does kind of come together. But this whole idea of, uh, especially in this chapter, this whole idea that God enters a, into us from the very beginning. There is never a time where we are separated from God. God is always with us, no matter how far we think God seems to be away, no matter how far we think we've pushed ourselves away. There's always a part of us that is made in the image of the Trinity and is always wanted to God, um, no matter how far we think we've gone. Let's continue with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I ask your prayers for peace around the world, particularly for the people of Eastern Europe and Ukraine. I ask your prayers for those on our parish prayer list, and I bid your prayers and intercession silently or aloud at this time. Let us pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. 
For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Most holy Lord, the ground of our beseeching, who through your servant St. Julian revealed the wonder of your love, grant that as we are created in your nature and restored by your grace, our wills may be so made be so made one with yours that we may come to see you face to face and gaze on you forever through jesus christ our lord amen thank you for joining me for love was his meaning today um, next week i will be on vacation uh, so there will not be a episode to drop next week but it, we will pick it up on the following week um, until uh, i see you again take care and god bless Thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meaning today. This podcast is generally available once a week on Thursday. The text of Julian's Revelations used in this podcast is The Complete Julian by Father John Julian Swanson OJN and is used by permission of the Order of Julian of Norwich. The theme music is Julian of Norwich by Bombadil and is used under license.